0: It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your ice castle dealer in Pine River, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Ores and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Brainerd Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, The Power Lodge, Chef Robert Spinner. Spreading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Growing Recycling, Napa Auto Parts in Baxter, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Nielsen Hardware and RV, your Central Minnesota Ice Castle dealer, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors. Ryan Moon,
1: And welcome into this week's show. All kinds of stuff to cover. Jason Freed will drop by. He'll recap the Northwest Sports Show from last weekend down in the Twin Cities. In addition to that, he'll talk sight fishing for perch this time of year. Matt Brewer is back from vacation in Florida. He'll talk turkey hunting down there. Plus, he's got the latest on Rainy River. A few tweaks to the open water regulations on Mille Lacs. DNR Fisheries Chief Don Pereira will talk about that plus another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick off the show with our Lake and Field Report, brought to you by Ors and Mine and Crosby. No matter if your goal is pike, trout, walleyes, or bass, and Mine gives you 10 different ways to get the bite. The next time you're in the Cuyuna area, and Mine is a must-stop located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we'll kick the show off. We bring in Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures. Jason always keeping us uh, updated on what's going on, not only on Leech Lake, but even here uh, around the immediate Brainerd Lakes area. We're going to recap the Northwest Sports Show, which was last weekend down in the cities. Jason was down there for that. We're also going to talk a little bit about sight fishing for perch, being, we can still uh, at least some of us can still get out and do a little ice fishing. Uh, I guess though, Jason, we'll start off. You and I were just talking off air. Things could get a little touch and go with these cooler temps that are going to hang around. I wonder where we're going to be at for opener now.
2: You know, that's a really good question. I think we've been uh, we've been spoiled the last two years. I think last year I looked back and I think ice out was somewhere here the first week of April, roughly, and and we all had about five six weeks of of open water to crappie fish and get our, you know, our boats all squared away and fishing gear all squared away. And you're looking at the long range forecast, you know, we this weekend, they're forecasting six to eight inches of snow. I see a chance for some snow early next week. And then just a lot of 30s and low 40s for the next 15 plus days. And so that's not going to make for a real fast melt. So you know, I think you see a lot of these places. I got a picture last week at the Northwest Sports Show. Somebody showed me of their auger on the south end of Leech Lake was was buried all the way down to the uh, to the housing, and uh, they had just broken through. So, you know, there's 30 plus inches of ice on a lot of these lakes, and it's going to be a test of our patience. You know, everybody gets all fired up and and ready to go fishing and want to get their boat in the water, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be I think a slower process this year. And like any time we'll eventually get to those nice warm 50s and 60s and we'll get some rain and it'll eat away and once it really starts to go the lake will go but uh, uh i definitely think it's going to be a later ice out this year and i, I cross my fingers that we're not uh counting down the uh, the minutes till opener and wondering if we're going to have ice off the lakes but uh, i definitely think it's going to be a lot closer to opener than it is anything else
1: might be interesting, like that year, I forget which year it was, but it was Malax on opening weekend. Uh, I want to say on one side of it they were ice fishing and on the other side they were open water fishing. We may see that again.
2: Yeah, I think it was just uh, six or seven years ago that uh, uh, I was up on leech on opener and the whole lake was, was frozen. And then what was crazy is obviously the ice was super close to going out. Um, and then within like two days, two or three days, boom, it was all gone. So... You know, it's just going to be one of those things, and, uh, you know, that's where maybe like the rivers or, you know, I mean, if, if, it, if it suddenly got to that for me, um, you know, I would kind of cross my fingers that maybe some smaller lakes uh, were opening up, and, and you just got to go kind of make the most of it in, in another way, and, and whether it's going going south and finding some lakes down there where maybe some ice might be more open or the lakes might be more open, or if there's some smaller lakes in the Brainerd Lakes area or the Walker area or whatever that might be open, uh, if for some reason we get to that point, you just got to take advantage of it. And Sometimes you got to, life throws you a curveball and you just got to do something different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's definitely something we're all going to keep our eye on as things progress here through the month of April. For those, Jason, that do want to get out and do a little ice fishing, what are our landings looking like? For some people I've talked to said they're still pretty sketchy. Uh, getting out on the ice might be tricky once you get out there. Getting around is not as tough as it was. And then, Like you said, we've got plenty of ice, but it's just a matter of getting on the ice.
2: Yeah, you know, this is the time of year where that sun uh, gets a little higher, beats down on those spots, and you get a lot of slush and people driving on and off the accesses. And, you know, they're definitely starting to get beat up a little bit more. Um, you know, it's still kind of be one of those things. You know, I, you get to a certain point in the year where, you know, even though there might be 24, 30 inches of ice and, and it would be nice to have your truck out there and that kind of stuff, I just, you know, with the way these accesses get beat up and, and different things like that, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you got to kind of start thinking about, you know what to take on the ice and that's where like ATVs and and even snowmobiles for that matter are, are kind of nice because they're lighter and you can get them on these accesses and you can also move just down the access or just down the shore sometimes and get on and uh but yeah the the accesses are going to get beat up here for a little while and it always seems like they kind of get beat up, and then they, and then the, the water kind of settles, and they kind of refreeze, and everything kind of gets better then. So, you know, it's just keeping an eye open. You know, it, it's not just maybe just, you know, driving right on the lake when you get there. It's getting out, ticking your spud bar, walking out there, checking them, you know, seeing maybe what's the best path to get out. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's the hard thing about this time of year is sometimes you want to get out there, and you know there's plenty of ice, but you got to kind of work your way either through or around the access to get there. So just something to keep an eye on.
1: So there you go. I uh, wanna recap the Northwest Sports Show. You were down there, Jason. Um, what did you see? Uh, obviously probably a lot of anglers down there. Uh anything that caught your eye?
2: You know, it was uh it's always fun to go to Northwest Sports Show because everybody is excited about, you know, fishing and, and I, I was in the Lund uh the Lund Boats booth for most of the weekend as well as working in the fishing one on one booth, which was where we had a bunch of kids activities going on and it was just fun to see people and, and catch up with people. And a lot of people are looking at boats and buying boats. And my favorite part about when you go to the Northwest Sports Show is walking around and going all the all the different vendors and stores and seeing what's new. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about some, some new lures and some new baits coming out uh, by Berkeley. They've got a Max Scent plastic. I think that's going to be really, really good for, for bass fishing and maybe even walleye fishing. And they got a new snap jig. Uh, you know, jigging rafts have kind of become the craze. Uh, here of late, and it's uh, it's very similar to that, but it's a jig, and it's got those plastic wings coming off, and you can put uh, plastics on it, um, like a twitch tail minnow, and you can do different colors and different styles and, and different color jigs and a lot of different things, so it kind of really makes for a really open-ended way, uh, but it's got that same kind of walk-the-dog swimming action, so uh, I'm really excited about that, and just like so you see some new things that are out, whether it's baits, whether it's rods um reels you know you, it's kind of like a kid on christmas but um you know the one thing i saw that i thought was kind of a cool product was you know a lot of times with um when you're storing your tackle and you're in a boat and you run down the lake your your jigs or your crankbaits or your jigging wraps for that matter and you're hitting while your ways and stuff gets all cut, snagged and everything inside your tackle box and you pull it out and you got you know 20 Rapalas all stuck together and uh this guy has a tackle box, I, or, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head right now. But it's a tackle tray, and it's got um, like a sticky coating in the bottom of the tray. And uh, where basically, when you put your lure in there, it is it sits there. I mean, you could sit and shake it all you want, and it doesn't move. So it's always kind of cool to see those new kinds of products that come out and and get people excited. But uh, that's always the part I love the most is just walking around the show and and seeing all these new things coming out and. And it's just fun to see the uh, whole industry just evolve. And uh, if you follow the Brainerd High School fishing team, uh, Jason Barr, his two boys, uh, they actually started up a uh, their own little tackle business. So they're selling bass plastics, and it's called uh, Juice. Uh, juice Bass Plastics, the juice company here. And, um, and it was cool to see those guys selling plastics, you know, all these that's the whole point of the high school, this whole student angling thing. And, and Lund Boats is really big into that right now. And, and so I was down there kind of helped promoting that as well and, and uh, working in the one one booth there. And so it was fun to see these two selling baits, but to see all these kids down there that are wearing jerseys and that are on the Minnetonka fishing team and the Becker fishing team and the Brainerd fishing team, and, and people were coming up nonstop to the uh, informational booth and asking, how can we start Um, student angling in our school and so as a teacher as a coach I I can I just think it's an awesome thing and I often wonder what it would have been like if our generation would have had that opportunity to be part of something like that too so it's really going to take off this year they got lots of bass tournaments they got a muskie tournament I guess they're doing some all kinds of things so it's pretty exciting to see that all going on that was all part of the show as well.
1: Very cool stuff there Um, and hats off to Jason and his crew I mean I know he's put in a lot of time and effort into the Brainerd fishing team and, and actually helping some of the other schools get them up and running, too. So uh, I think that's just a fantastic thing, like you said. Uh, one last thing, Jason, before we let you go, those that maybe want to get out on the ice and maybe chase some perch around a little bit. We've talked about this before, but I wanted to revisit it because I think it's a very interesting technique. Something you like to do this time of year, and that's sight fish for perch.
2: Yes. You know, at this time of year where you don't have to have... I mean, you could bring your shack along. Um, that's a fun way of doing it. So there's a way, when I look at sight fishing, there's two ways of doing it. You either have a, a shack and, um, you know, you, you have the shack flip, flipped over and you're looking down. And I like to work, you know, four to six, seven feet of water. And uh, in anywhere where there's kind of, you know, emergent weed growth still or weed edges or sand pockets and things like that. And, uh, and then you just flip the shack over and look down there. The great thing about sight fishing is you can pull the bait away from the, the smaller perch, and so a lot of these lakes, you get a lot of small perch, and it's not. And what happens is the bigger perch will kind of hang off to the sides, or the bigger perch are the first ones to show up, so uh, you can learn a lot about this, the action of the fish and what's, what it's doing and how it's reacting to baits. So that's one way, and the other way I like to do it too is just use a camera. Um, a lot of the cameras, you can actually hook the cord to the tail end of the camera. So it shoots down. So then you can actually hole hop and use your camera and not even have to worry about a vexlar. And so I use, I've used that a lot too. And, uh, you're just able to, once again, kind of see the fish, get a feel for the fish, the size of the fish. And, uh, it's a fun way to fish. And, you know, the one thing I think that people overlook is a lot of times they want to, um, you know, they want to go smaller lures and they want to use, you know, um, you know, wax worms or those kinds of things. I think when you're fishing perch, uh, especially when you have to kind of do some sorting, the best thing to do is to go with a a bigger spoon uh not a super big spoon, but just you know an eighth ounce spoon um and then I'd like to put full minnows on mine uh, I think that uh it's just that bigger profile i think oftentimes draws in those bigger perch and you know you know perch are notorious they're they're pretty aggressive, especially up in this area. you know you hear uh things out in the Dakotas how the perch are way more uh temperamental because I think there's so much shrimp and and uh, your larvae and different things like that, invertebrates that are in the water. And here, I mean, they're mainly minnow eaters uh, as well as bug eaters here. But I like the bigger profile, the full minnow. And and sometimes I'll mess around if the fish are really going. I'll just get a plastic. Um, a clam, for example, makes a, a minnow head plastic or uh, they make a minnow, um, a Mackie minnow. And, um, and so I'll look for some of those kinds of things that the fish are super aggressive because then you don't have to worry about um you know having to rebate and and um, so usually what I do is I carry a one of those pucks with some minnows and I'll carry some plastics and a couple rods or one rod and a few spoons and I just start hole hopping around or I get in my shack and uh and do it that way so it's fun it's kind of like fishing in an aquarium so that's the fun part about it and it's really fun to do with kids uh because kids you'll, you'll see pike and you'll see perch and you'll see panfish and walleyes and it's just like I said it's kind of like fishing in an aquarium
1: It's a fun way to do it, no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, being as Jason said, it's a little warmer during the day. Uh, You can get out and enjoy and be outside and and take some of this stuff in. It's Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. You can check him out at leisureoutdooradventures.com. Jason, I appreciate it. Good stuff as always. Uh, I'm sure we'll probably check in with you next week and uh, chat again. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. All right, when we come back, we'll head up north for the Up North Report. Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. Talk a little bit about Rainy River and what's happening up there. Plus, we'll actually head south with Matt. He was down in Florida doing some turkey hunting. We'll see how that went when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3, and we head up north for the Up North Report. Back from a quick vacation, Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji joins us, and we're going to talk a little bit about Matt's uh, vacation. He was down in Florida and did a little turkey hunting while he was down there, so we'll talk about that. I'm sure Matt's got the latest on ice fishing up by him, but I guess, Matt, uh, first off, welcome back.
3: Yeah, (laughs) thanks.
1: (laughs) I was hoping you were going to bring... Some of that Florida weather back with you, but uh, you did the exact opposite.
3: Well, it's so funny when we booked our trip. Everyone's like, "We go pretty much every year," and and everybody was saying, "Oh, you're going late. It's going to be warm in Minnesota. You're going to be missing out on spring." And yeah, no, I don't know when spring is going to come. It's it's not looking good. We're we're going to be making ice the next week for sure.
1: Which is really strange. Uh, we'll talk about ice fishing here in just a bit. But I did want to pick your brain about Rainy River, Matt. Uh, things are starting to happen pretty quick up there. When we talked to Jason last week, uh, he basically said around I-Falls maybe that it was open. Uh, a lot has changed in the last week. You've got the latest on that.
3: Yeah, I do know um, I've got a guy uh, that's been posting pictures today who who's actually done some guiding for us this winter. He kind of is giving me uh, a vicarious report, <laughs> living living vicariously through him via social media but he's up there hammering walleyes and i did see a report yesterday from some guys that were up uh most of the day yesterday and they absolutely crushed them and they've got open water i'm guessing by the end of today it'll be open all the way to frontier landing i know they did take a backhoe up down to birchdale and that is open for big boats the ramp is completely open and uh once birchdale is open um Usually it's kind of game on, and then uh, frontier. Once that opens, it's going to e- e- get even busier and better. So the fishing is good. Um, a lot of a lot of small and mediums, you know, uh, fourteen to fourteen to twenty inch fish, and then and then people are getting a lot of a lot of big ones mixed in. So it's it's worth the trip up right now, and and it's uh, only going to get better here for the next couple of weeks before. Before we finally see some warmth and uh, things start to break loose, so uh, nice clean river right now, and, and I assume it's going to stay that way for for quite a while. I mean, the the rainy river fishermen are loving this forecast because yes, it's cold while you're out there in the boat, but the but the fishing is absolutely insane when when you get the run going and and you get nice clean water and and all the rivers and and uh, little little streams and creeks and stuff haven't bro- broken open yet mud and uh, and lots of fish
1: yeah that was going to be my next question because when we talked to Jason last week he thought maybe and the day we talked to him I think it was 50 degrees almost and he was thinking his prediction was going to be a pretty quick window this this year but now as things have changed here a week later like you said we could be uh have a, a bigger window than we've had in quite some time
3: yeah this is going to be based on what I saw in the extended forecast this is going to be one of those epic years where it's going to be really good all the way through because I don't I don't see anything like in the 50s for the next couple of weeks, and you know, really, that's what we need is high 40s, uh, low 50s, and and some pretty bright sunshine um, in order to break everything open. and And I just I don't see it. And with these single digit temps at night, everything that starts to starts to thaw a little bit during the day is just going to freeze right back up at night. So uh, here in Bemidji, we're looking at you know five to five to nine. For overnight lows so up there you know throw in a couple extra degrees lower cold here
1: that's for sure now and this might be a silly question matt water temps up there fishing a river do water temps play in as much as it does when you're fishing a lake
3: i don't think that they really are going based on on water temps because you get years where we get a really early spring and the fish run at the same time every year so i i really don't think it has to do with water temp it, it's just some sort of internal clock that tells them i need to i need to go and uh, and they they automatically start going to spawn and it doesn't matter if there's ice on the rivers or lakes and, or if they're wide open it, it doesn't make any difference at all and it's always the same time of year every year and <laughs> and it doesn't seem to matter what the what the temps are like or what the water temps are like so
1: so there you go. If you want to get in a little open water fishing, as Matt said, uh, we're starting to get uh, some, a lot of open stuff up on the Rainy River, so if you want to take a trip up that way. Uh, if you want to get some ice fishing in, Matt, here locally our landings are kind of, you know, I don't want to say they're shot, but they're looking in pretty tough shape. Up by you, we were talking off air, uh, your landings are in pretty decent shape up there, and you still got quite a bit of ice.
3: Yeah, just out of curiosity today, um, I drove down to the Northwoods Access right across from the new northwoods bait and tackle which is awesome um we're we've kind of been lacking a good bait shop here in town for quite some time and and we finally have a really good one right next to the access that i use most often so um anyway stopped and checked that out and then drove down to the access and and the access looks perfect and solid and and uh I looked out there and was thinking man I could still be running rentals cuz there's still like 28 to 30 inches of ice. If people want to get out. I don't I don't foresee any problems. I obviously haven't looked at all the accesses. That was just based on one access. And yeah, I I know my guys were out. I I don't think my sled was at my house the entire time I was in Florida. So I uh I saw a lot of a lot of pictures via text message and and messenger of uh <laughs> of my guys Holding fish with my snowmobile in the background, so I'm like, "Oh, you have it today." So I know I know that the fishing's been great, and uh, and right now is kind of best time of year, and and uh, it looks like it's going to last for a while. So,
1: and Lake Bemidji, your home base there, Matt, very well known for a good perch population. There is that really what people like to up around you target, or do people like to hit a lot of the smaller lakes up there for crappies and bluegills and such, or they try to hit some of the bigger bodies of water. Or is it just kind of whatever they're comfortable with
3: throughout walleye season? everybody's on Bemidji or gas or you know all the all the main walleye waters but um after walleye season closes, the number of anglers drops off substantially because a lot of the people around here that's all they they're they're after, and once they have to pull their house off Bemidji, they're kind of done for the year but um we're in a panfish mecca and and the the guys that that fish hard and and that are diehards are gonna be you know. They'll they'll be out on Bemidji a, a little bit chasing perch probably, but for the most part everybody's venturing off onto the smaller lakes now and and, uh, and chasing the panfish around. So, but midgie, like I said, I took a peek at it today and I didn't see a single angler out there, so I could have had you know a gigantic lake pretty much to myself today. And and the perch fishing, I w- I would assume is getting really good. I you know I don't have a report basically since the day we pulled our house houses off, and fishing was a little tougher then, but but that's been a long time ago now. I mean, usually we pull our houses and, you know, we're worried about the excesses at that time, and things are a lot different this year.
1: Yeah, it's been a weird year, no doubt about that. One last thing, Matt, we'll backtrack now to your time in Florida. Uh, You obviously were there with the family, and you hit all the, the fun parks and stuff down there, but you also took a little time to get out and do some turkey hunting too. And for those that maybe go, well, why did you want a turkey hunt in Florida? Maybe take us through your mindset there.
3: So, Basically, in the in the U.S., you've got five subspecies of of turkeys. You've got your easterns, which are what we have here in Minnesota, and then uh, you've got Merriams, which have the nice white tips on their tails on their fans. Um, and you know that's more of a uh, South Dakota, Wyoming um, kind of. They're more of a mountain bird. And then you've got your Rio Grandes, which are uh, Texas, and they they kind of have have funneled there all, all, all the way up through parts of like Nebraska, Kansas, that area. Um, and then you've got the Osceola, which is basically from Orlando South. And that's the only place that exists is in uh, central to Southern Florida. And to get, to get your grand slam, you have to get those four subspecies. Uh, we also have Goulds, which are in like New Mexico, Arizona, and then Northern part of Mexico. But, um, but that isn't they're they're not part of the grand slam so i i've shot three out of the four i was trying to polish off my grand slam uh wanted that osceola i've always wanted one so i decided that this year i was going to try to do a little hunting while i was down there and see if i couldn't polish off my grand slam but but i got down there and the birds were all hand up um ended up encountering seven different gobblers and and had uh had a pretty decent chance at one he he basically needed to come through some palmettos another uh, 18 to 20 yards roughly and uh and just couldn't couldn't get him to to finish the the little march through the palmettos and close close enough to make it where now I have to go back and do it again next year (laughs) (laughs) um but uh but didn't get it done so very very tough bird very different than uh any anything i've uh, any turkey i've hunted you know you go out to the to the mountains or out in the black hills and, and chase merriams and that's a whole different ball game than than hunting easterns and rio grandes which are you know very similar and kind of act the same way and and uh merriams are a little tougher because you're dealing with canyons and and cliffs and huge pine stands and things like that but but they still basically they're they're still a very vocal bird and and you can you can get them fired up pretty easily. But those Osceola's down in Florida, I mean, the hurricanes went through and cut down the population pretty hard. And uh, you know it, they're not as thick as as they are um, a lot of the other species are. And and being in such a small area and so many people being after them, it's it's very very tough. And we were trying to do public land and. Uh, we had a guy shoot one. Um, we heard him shoot it about 800 yards away. Um, they were they were on an airboat, and you know I'm sure they saw a Tom strutting on the edge of, of the riverbanks, and and were able to to close the deal on that one. But it's a whole different world. I mean, you talk about I got to see gators and got to see hogs, and you've got cottonmouth down there. I mean, it, it, it's not like hunting a field in Minnesota. It's it's a whole different ballgame, but. Beautiful country um, and I, I got to experience everything but but holding one in my hand, so it was it was definitely fun and something i'm I'm going to do again.
1: So. Are they a bigger bird than what we're used to here Matt or about the same size
3: smaller um, super long legs because they like to trounce through the swamps and they're kind of built for uh, built for going through a lot of switched grass and and running through the palmettos and stuff like that um, and like I said a, it's florida and we were kind of right at the tip of the the north end of the everglades so you're talking wet ground and long legs and uh and a smaller body so a tom there a nice big mature tom tops out around the 20 pound mark whereas here you know a 20 pounder is you know it's a nice bird but it's it's not gonna not gonna get any any mention or anything you're looking 23 24 pounds here to be a really big bird so much smaller you know four pounds is a big difference
1: so Two last things on that, Matt. Uh, number one, their season. Is it is the same length as ours? Is it the same kind of structure to it, or is it a little bit shorter?
3: So that was another part of the problem, and not so much the the season length or anything like that. But um, on public land, every, every WMA is different down there, and you have to have, you have, to have stamps for, to get into some of the w, WMAs. Um, some of the WMAs you can only hunt if you get a special permit. You have to get parking permits for all the different WMAs. It's really convoluted and confusing. <laughs> um, like public land, the season opens the 17th um, and then I, I don't know how long it runs, but private land, you can hunt later in the day and you can hunt earlier in the season. So like the public land season opens like the end of February, beginning of March, and then the private—that's for private land—and then public land, you can only hunt till 1 p.m. in most of the WMA's. And uh, one of the birds I had—I had fired up—and then and he was close in the distance, and he got to like 200 yards, and it was 12:54, and I'm like, by the time he gets here, I'm going to be after hours. <laughs> so, um, so it's really difficult. I mean, especially when they're henned up, because after they breed their hens and the hens go off to nest or whatever, um, whatever they're doing. Uh, that's your best chance to kill a gobbler when they're hen up and in Florida on public land. And most of the WMAs you can't hunt, so uh, it it makes it really challenging. So next year, um, like I said, I, I gained a ton of knowledge and learned a lot of spots and things like that. So next year I'll go into it with a lot better better knowledge and I know the area better and and know the rules a little better and and don't have to spend as much time tinkering with uh, looking on websites out in the middle of nowhere. Trying to figure out, you know, where I can be and where I, uh, what time I have to stop hunting and what permits I have to have, and and I can kind of have all that figured out ahead of time. Even though I did a ton of research before I went, um, and then uh, it, the way the way it sounds is like if you're public or private land hunting, I'm sorry, you can start end of February, beginning of March, and it goes all the way through May. So if you can get on private land, uh, which is going to cost you an arm and a leg, you can hunt much longer, and you're going to have much better opportunities.
1: One last thing, Matt, uh, is it pretty popular with hunters down there? I mean, here in Minnesota and in Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, it's it's a growing sport. Down there, is it uh, pretty popular as well, or is there a limited amount of hunters?
3: No, it's like a way of life. And everybody, anybody who wants to get their Grand Slam, they have to go to Florida. So, you know, you're dealing with not only the local hunters who hate all the other hunters. Yeah. <laughs> um but you're dealing with people from all across the country. You know, nobody nobody comes to Minnesota from Tennessee to shoot in eastern. You know, they they can do it right there in Tennessee. They're not going to come all the way up here. So it's super super cluttered. Um you're dealing with people on a non-stop basis. Um you have to figure out what access points you want to be at and I put on well with Disney <laughs> uh, adding disney and i put in 27 miles while we were down there um on foot so and like uh almost 14 miles of that was wearing you know full turkey gear with uh 800 gram lacrosse boots on so i'm uh, i'm still feeling it today
1: well disney's more stand it's a kind of a uh, walk 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 stand in line for 2 hours right
3: yeah more <laughs> like uh stand in line run 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 <laughs> Uh, wait in line for four hours and then run 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 and then walk <laughs> and then stand in line um, yeah we 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 tried to prove everybody wrong because we planned to do three parks in one day and we ended up doing all four parks in one day wow and and we didn't really miss out on a whole lot we did everything the kids wanted to do to do except for one thing and then we added a couple a couple side missions but uh yeah it was a long day the kids were kids were asleep very early that evening and uh and we we started very early in the morning but fun trip all around i mean it was really nice to get away and recharge a little bit and start the hunting season off i wish i would have started it off right with a bird in hand but
1: matt brewer north country guide service in bemidji you can check him out northcountryguides.com link up to all social media there As well, Matt, I appreciate it. Good stuff, as always. Welcome back, and uh, we'll check in real soon, okay?
3: All right. Hopefully the weather forecast changes by the time we talk next week.
1: Yeah, it'll put Matt in a better mood, so that'll be a (laughs) nice thing. Thanks, Matt. All right. All right. When we come back, a little tweaking to the fishing regulations on lacks going into the open water season. Fisheries Chief with the Minnesota DNR, Don Pereira, will join us next when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And uh, we bring in DNR Fisheries Chief Don Pereira. Uh, we've got some changes on Lake Mille Lacs, and I wanted to get Don in to uh, talk a little bit about that. First of all, Don, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Maybe a little bit about what's going to be different on Mille Lacs this year. Obviously, catch and release summer walleye season has been announced again, uh, but it will
4: be open all year, right? Yeah, correct. Our, our goal is to um, keep it open at least for Labor Day, no... no um, closures in the middle of the summer. Population's uh, moving in the right direction. You know, we've got a safe harvest level that's um, over twice what what, it, uh, what we had last year. So uh, we were able to um, sufficiently conserve that 2013-year class. Those females are uh, actually maturing a little bit quicker, so this planting stock um, jumped up for a bit. So, But we really need to see some more fish in the pipeline before we can really start to harvest fish during the open water season.
1: You guys had a study that was done. You went kind of outside the box a little bit. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that?
4: Yeah. So you typically, when you have you know complex problems, it's um, often useful to to assemble some outside experts so they can kind of look under the hood, if you will, to make sure we're not missing anything, and and to make sure that their that are their interpretations of what's going on are are fairly much in line with what what we think is happening in the lake. And, that's pretty much um, how that turned out. I mean, they, they offered some suggestions, some additional things we could do when we do our tagging studies, and maybe um, have a look at um, larger mesh gill nests if we want to sample more fish in our assessment program. But by and large, it you know, it pretty much came to the same conclusion. Um, they did um, clearly um, acknowledge or, or recognize that, the you know, the lake started changing pretty dramatically up um, to 20 years ago, water started clearing up, and you have a couple of invasive species in there that are really making um, significant changes to the food web that ultimately affect production of fish, especially the fish that walleye like to feed on, like yellow perch and, and uh, tulipy cisco.
1: One thing that uh, isn't going to change, what's the situation with night fishing out on Mille Lacs for walleye down? Is that going to change this year?
4: No, it's going to be the same. We're going to have an extended night ban, but um, we want to allow the um, the musky guys to get out there at night. So if you're If you're out at night after 10 o'clock, it's open um, opening weekend. There's no night ban. It happens from Monday after opening weekend. But if you're out at night um, and and you're just boating around, you can have uh, any gear, any fishing gear you want in your boat. But if you're out at night and you're fishing, then the only gear um, in your boat has to be, uh, you know, terminal tackle. Your lures and your bait have to be eight inches or larger. Uh, because you're if you're gonna be fishing at night it's gonna be for muskie or maybe northern pike.
1: And you mentioned Muskie and Northern Pike. Uh that's you know, obviously we have some new Northern Pike regulations heading into open water this year, Don. What's gonna be the situation with pike and muskie out on Malax
4: this year? Um, they're gonna it's gonna be the same. We're not gonna switch Malax to the, the new statewide regulation. It's gonna stick with um it's really that regulation really won't do that much for that pike population that that new regulation is intended to try to restructure northern pike populations that are that are um, that have really high abundance of, of small fish. And that's not the problem on the lax. We have a healthy uh, northern pike population with a good size structure to it. So the new statewide regulation would not really work on the lax. So we're sticking with the same regulation we had last year for open water as listed in the news release. We're going to keep bass the same as well. It's going to be... Um, you know, a limit of, of uh, three fish, uh, two under, two or three under uh, 17 inches, only one over 21
1: inches. And I guess the one last thing, Don, to, to touch on, and I've had some people ask me about this, and um, you talked about the outside research that you guys did as well as getting a lot of information, the DNRs collected as well. Uh, a lot of people talk about hook mortality out there. Where did that come into play with all this with walleyes and, and why you only had the catch and release again this year?
4: So, yeah, that's a difficult one for people to accept and maybe to understand. But um, in Mille Lacs, it's got, um, even with restrictive regulations, it still has a lot of fishing pressure. And um, uh, some of those walleyes that are caught and released, some of them die. And that essentially, even though they're not harvested, they're still dying because of uh, because of uh, angling. So they have to, it's essentially a fish that's removed from the population because of fishing. And so for that reason, they really have to be counted um, towards the state al- allocation.
1: Uh, and one last thing Don before we let you go I know you're really busy but I did want to touch on outside of Malax. we just talked to you and know, you mentioned the new statewide regulations for pike are you getting pretty good feedback from anglers on that because there's obviously a reason that you put these uh, new regulations in place.
4: We certainly had a lot of interaction with our key stakeholder groups and um, putting that regulation together and and we ended up with with pretty strong support for it good support in the legislature and through the rulemaking process and everything else you know we do know that there's a lot of anglers out there that are more casual that are probably going to be a little bit naive and they're not going to be um aware of the new regulations so we're trying to get more information out there you know we did a news release last month we'll probably do another one um real close to the opener and we'll talk about it at the governor's opener as well to try to do a little bit of a media blitz and when our when our uh, field staff are going out to meetings they're bringing a they're bringing handouts with them to explain the regulation to, you know, whether it's an angling group or lake association or whatever. We don't think our enforcement guys will be actually citing a lot of people unless, uh, because people are going to be naive. So folks will get warnings and, and uh, hopefully they'll, they'll um, pick up the regulation pretty quick and, and before long, hopefully, we'll have pretty good compliance.
1: There you go. That's DNR Fisheries Chief Don Pereira taking a little time to talk to us here on Brainerd Outdoors. Don, I appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy. you yeah, welcome. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay. Take care. And we'll have more of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Our good friend Chef Joel at Black Bear Lodge and Saloon joins us again this week. Joel, welcome back. Oh, thank you. And here you are, Johnny, on the spot with a smoked trout dip. So we're going to take some trout that we've
5: just freshly caught, and we're going to clean it up, and we're going to throw it in the smoker. You know, we're going to smoke it probably you know three to, I suppose, three hours, four hours. I'm not exactly sure how long. Make sure it's nice and tender. Take that out, cool it down, and we're going to break it all apart, take the skin off. You know, just kind of break it up into nice chunks. We're gonna take some uh, shallots and a little bit of garlic, saute that down in some butter, just enough to soften up the shallots a little bit. Hit it with just a little bit of white wine if you have it laying around. If you don't, no worries. And we'll set that aside and let it cool down. We're gonna take some sour cream, some cream cheese that's been kind of softened on the counter for a while, some capers, and some fresh lemon juice, fresh dill, and take all your uh, smoked trout, the onion, or the shallots and garlic you had, and mix it all together. Put it all up together. And that's basically all I got to do. Add a little salt and pepper, and we'll toss on some crackers or some crusty bread. Or Away you go. Away you go.
1: Now, I love trout, so I'm going to try this as is. But say there's somebody out there that doesn't like trout. Could you substitute, say, a salmon with something like salmon this? Salmon would
5: be awesome in this as well. My nice firm fish. You know, I mean, a you know, walleye or something's going to break apart. Or, right. You know, that's just not going to. Yeah, it's not going to hold up.
1: Give it a try. Uh, It's on our website right now. Go to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the recipes tab, and you can try our smoked trout dip. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North and Baxter. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that'll put a wrap on this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, Monday mornings at 5. You can stream the show live, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. So if you're away from your radio or out of town, you can catch it that way. You can also catch it on demand. BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com is where you want to go for that. Listen at your convenience to the podcast. While you're there, check out our sponsors page. Links to all of our great sponsors. And don't forget to give us a like on Facebook. We'll see you next weekend for Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon.
0: Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Weimar Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, The Power Lodge, Chef Roberts Fish Breading Mix, SW Bait and Tackle, wing recycling napa auto parts in baxter black bear lodge and saloon nielsen hardware and rv your central minnesota ice castle dealer and by radco your truck accessory pros join brian moon just after seven saturday mornings sunday evening at seven and monday mornings at five for another edition of brain outdoors right here on b93.3